This is the Comedy Kiosk, podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, opinions and ideas about comedy. I'm David Munoz. And I'm Igor Monday. And today we're going to talk about intellectual property. But we're not going to sing. Yeah, That's- but do it all in song, because that way we can copyright it. Let's do all all in sing song. Yeah. So what do you think about it? Um. Okay. So, but to get back in the series. Okay. So the, the idea for this came from because uh, in the situation that we're currently in, uh, trying to get money out of the country is a bit of a pain. So I've been looking at cryptocurrency and wondering what the fuck is that? Because uh, it's kind of confusing. And I looked. I would just at- like to at this point remind our audience uh, listeners: David is old. Yeah. David doesn't so- understand technologies. What's your blockchain, kid? Is that a kind of a chain gang? Are we going to be on Soul Train, are we? Oh, time for a hoedown. What is this plastic credit card <laughs> thingy and how does it work? Well, I need paper. What's this plastic? If my money isn't under my mattress, where is it? How does it? How can I pay for things online? Uh, what? What is online? Anyway, but the point is, so I was looking at, uh, what, what's that new thing called? Oh, YouTube. So I was looking at uh, YouTube Video, I think they're called. Yes, yes. So I was watching motion picture. Uh, Yeah, film. Film. Um, So I was watching one of those, um, and this guy called uh, Arun, but spelled Arun. So I thought it was really funny. Anyway, I was watching it, and he described cryptocurrencies, explained it, and then he took it one step further and started explaining NFTs. Right? NFTs was confusing as hell. Because the explanation of it was really weird considering the artist still retains the intellectual rights and the merchandising rights and the copyright technically to it, even though you sell this thing called an NFT. At which point, and I was thinking, because my wife is an artist, that she could start selling NFTs and we don't have to worry about her then not having rights to it because apparently she would still keep the rights. I still don't get the point of why someone would buy an NFT other than to say, I own the NFT. So, so yeah, and from that, the wife, same thing about comedy. Your wife is an artist. She's like mm-hmm. a painter and designer. Right? Oh, yeah. But we are not artists. We are craftsmen. Yes. As I remember, you proudly established yourself as a on craftsman. On the way to becoming artists, but still not there. Like rock stars. Also okay. on the way, but we're not there yet. We're not yes. rock stars, but maybe one day. Um, but the thing is, yeah, so... Then we were discussing it and we started talking about like, yeah, so the intellectual rights and properties of in comedy, um, could you turn comedy into an NFT? Well, I think let's start with a more basic question. Yeah, who owns what? Who? Yeah, who owns a joke in which situation? Yeah. And what happens when, you know, a knock, joke- Knock, knock. Uh, come in. <laughs> okay, so you didn't play along with it, which means you don't know the standard format of a knock-knock joke. I do. I just let anyone in. Oh, right. Okay. You just, but I don't, I don't care. Is, does anyone own a knock-knock joke? Listen, I don't care who's there. <laughs> just come in. That's 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 that's. Especially if it's the police, definitely let him in. Otherwise, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 a situation where at what point does it become an original? When is it someone else's ripoff? If you have the same premise, is that are you stealing or not? Does it have to have the same punchline? If you change the punchline, is that enough? Problems if the whole setup is the same, that well, probably is not good. I mean, this is where. We then get into the area of like joke theft. Um, what is stealing? What is not stealing? What is reproduction? I mean, if you make a joke and I really like it, I can't, for example, go and perform your joke a week later on stage. Without my permission. Yeah. Even with your permission, I, I don't think I still would want to. But anyway, no. But the point is that some, because the, the risk is, even if I have your permission, actually, no. Because if I perform it a week later, even though you said, you know what, I don't want to use that joke. I think, David, you could do it better. Like, I think it fits your image or style better. If I do it after you perform it, someone who has seen your show comes to my show or the performance that I'm at, watches it and goes, oh, that's, that's an eagle joke. Fucking David's a fucking thief, the fucking fucker. Like, they would get angry. I've seen people with that look where you could see like, oh, they think someone just used a, an unoriginal joke. You could see the look on the person's face in the audience. Have you ever seen it? That like, Squinty-eyed, like, wait the fuck? Wait a minute. Yeah, I've seen it, but not on stand-up shows. <laughs> uh, just in general, pe- pe- people be sus- sus- suspicious of me. Uh. Uh, but when I'm crossing borders and stuff, when I enter banks, people always have those eyes. But 
yeah well okay let's let's start at the beginning because i think with the knock knock joke example that 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 you provided and uh, it's not only the knock knock jokes it's like the nah not jokes or mm -hmm. like your mama jokes or whatever these kind mm -hmm. of common like set up punchline jokes that hack some yeah. might say well, also like from a, a previous pop, episode we discussed pop jokes and stuff like this yep. i think a crucial difference if we could trace it back to the first ever knock knock joke and see who did it i would say that person has failed in recognizing their comedic talent and comedy gold yeah. because they should have registered it as something because you know the, the story with the happy birthday song that the holders, mm. you know, it's like a, a trademarked, copyrighted song. Oh, yeah. Who owns it? Disney or some shit? I don't know who owns it exactly. I think it might be like some private family foundation or something like right. some kind of ancestors of the person who came up, came up with this song. But the, the, the thing is, every time it's used in any commercial movie, whatever, not, of course, when you sing it at a friend's birthday because mm. it's not commercial use. But anytime it's used for commercial use, yeah. they get something like, I don't know, $2 or whatever for mm. each. So if it's in an advert, imagine how many times that's played yeah. over the course of... So it's like a huge, huge money income to this yeah. day. Yeah. So if the person registered their trademark, their knock-knock mm. joke, yeah. it, you know, how many times... I mean, I know I know of this joke through movies, I think, yeah. and stuff like this. I've never... No one ever... And what's I've, weird is you go to a foreign country and they sing it. Like the English version... Or even if they use their own language, they use the exact same tune. Have you noticed that? A knock knock joke? No, no. The happy, happy birthday. Okay, you 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 really confused me on on. I was like, yeah, yeah, the knock knock jokes, and you're like, yeah, they sing it. I'm like, what the fuck? Knock knock. Who's there? Doorbell. Doorbell. Who? You're a doorbell, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a punchline to that one. Yeah. But yeah, the happy birthday. Apparently, apparently, I've also heard this uh, a little off topic that you guys in Australia sing a completely different song, something no. like "I hope you're not dead yet, but you will be soon." No, no, I don't, I don't know this one. Well, that's that's, that's new for me. I've I've heard it or, or saw it on on some like Reddit or something where when people were there was like some show or whatever, and in the comments they were like, "Oh yeah, it's it's uh, uh, so strange that they don't sing like because." Uh, cast member was australian or whatever yeah. they don't sing our happy birthday song and people are like wait a minute you have a different happy birthday song because in every language in the world it's the same tune just well that's what I mean. it's the same tune we might change like you know uh, happy birthday to you happy birthday to you you look like a monkey and you live like one too or you know you live in a zoo there's different var variations i've heard those ones no, uh, no, but I, you know maybe maybe that's just the site but that's not I, I wouldn't i've never heard it before as an australian thing like i i don't know, like i'm i every time i go to a happy birth i went to a birthday in australia like someone sang a version of it where they sang you know uh you're not soon to dying but you will one day too or something I no no, no it's not this song it's a completely different nope, thing don't know what's like i've heard, well we'll we'll research I know my, later. my family for example we have actually have a tradition in my family we don't sing the traditional happy birthday song we see uh, a portion of the stevie wonder version of happy birthday. I thought you were going to say, in our family, we have a tradition. We don't sing a happy birthday song because we don't talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't, wish us, we don't wish each other happy birthdays. Nah, nah. Because I was brought up in an orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Because so. <laughs> I'm an orphan. Yay. But yeah, all right. Back back, back to the original topic. So the knock-knock yeah. joke, I think if it was a registered like trademark or if there was some copyright or whatever mm -hmm. on it, you know, we would kind of know and and pay each time we use that joke. But I think we would stop using that because it's not stop that using it. great. But since it's in the public domain, I've seen it in like hundreds yeah. of different like series and, and movies and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, like your mom and not jokes and stuff yeah. like this, right? But and we obviously at this point, I don't think we maybe some historians can trace the origin of that joke. Maybe it was like you know I don't know uh, Sumerian in some Sumerian text. Yeah, I, I thought more like medieval England or something, you know, like there's right. a squire knocking on the knight's door. Knock, knock. Who goes at there? Die there? I don't know. I don't speak Shakespearean. But uh, <laughs> anyways, but the modern jokes, of course, we can trace. Can we? Sometimes we can trace the origin. Uh, right. And that's, that's where the dispute uh, starts because, first of all, I've heard this a bunch uh, where, you know, people would be suspicious of you stealing their joke. Mm. Like you do a joke on on stage, and then another comic from your from your own circuit and kind of group of comedians comes and says, ah, "Wasn't that a bit too similar to my joke?" And I'm like, "We live in the same city. We perform yeah. in the same like language to the same people. Of course, once a year 
we will come up with the same idea. Yeah, you know? yeah. But oh, there could be another one. Okay, where you, for example, someone has a okay. Let, let's take a real stereotypical. You know, someone has a joke about airline food, right? And they're talking about the pistachios that are taste like crap. For example, let's say for, for an example, they taste like crap on the da 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 airline food or this and that. Now. You know, one person, another comedian hears this, is hearing it, and then thinks about their own experience that they had with the chicken cordon bleu that was served on their flight to I'm France. Sorry, the chicken what? Cordon bleu. Okay, was this uh, Air France you were flying with? Exactly. Cordon bleu. Exactly. So you then create a bit about airline food with your experience with the cordon bleu, uh-huh. right? And then the other person could come up and be like, well, hey, that's very similar to my, you know, pistachio, but airline food. Well, yeah, because you actually inspired it, but it is their own story. It is their own observation of it and their own perspective. But you both have the conclusion that, yes, airline food sucks, that no matter how good, no matter how fancy or whatever, like whether it's pistachios or cordon bleu, but it's different, but it's the same. But this is where, like, okay, what part is important? Is it the setup or is it the punch? If they both say that, yeah, airline food sucks, did they rip it off? Or is that just a common enough thing that airline food sucks? No one owns that. Well, first of all, yeah, I think in this kind of situation, I've been on an airplane and you've been on an airplane. We've both been served bad food. So why can't- Yours was a pistachio incident. Maybe you're more complaining about the bag and Nasa opening the bag and stuff. I complained about the cordon bleu. Yeah. So I think in that case, you know, we both have equal rights to that setup because, you know, because we both experienced bad airline food. Mm -hmm. But- on the on the other hand, you know, like it's uh, if I've heard the joke of that comedian, if we if we I, I flew in January, you flew in February yeah. and we both wrote a joke about airline food. That's one thing. If I heard you do that joke and it kind of I was like, oh, I've oh, it inspired me to basically rewrite your joke. But it isn't rewriting it, is it? Well, I don't know, because if I hear, I don't know, two thirds of like the setup yeah. and the idea is the same. But I have a different, let's say, punchline or twist to it. Yeah. It's just basically me ending your joke in a better way, in my opinion, better, like well, how yeah, I would yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in that case, you know. Oh, it's- but maybe you have like a different idea. Like I said, I did the cotton bleu and you're doing the the, the pistachio. Well, I, yeah. So I don't know. I think it depends. You know, did I hear your joke mm-hmm. and rework that joke? Yeah. Or did I just take a plane ride and understood that? Airplane food is horrible and wrote my joke. Okay, but what happens if, for example, I do, yeah, I do the cotton bleu joke. That just inspires you to remember your own story, your own experience with airline food. And you think of a funny bit. Now, if you do it then, like if you did it the next week, oh, that remind me, hey, I'm going to do a bit with pistachios. You're not, you're, I inspired you to remember something of your own. It's not copying. It's different. But I mean, even though we're both talking about airline food. Now, the other, so my, okay. But if you did it, for example, if you did it, just say you sat on that idea for two years. And like two years, I've, I've retired. I, I don't use the cordon bleu joke anymore. And instead, now you come up with pistachio. People would probably wouldn't blink twice. It wouldn't be related. It'd be like, oh, that reminds me of my cordon bleu. I, I have an airline food thing. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember you did it two years ago. Right, right. We wouldn't. Have, it's only because it was so close to each other. It was done one week after another. I think is also part of the problem because it's the same concept, but they're done so close because how many times has airline food been done around the world as comedic premise? Well, I think that's the that's the problem that even the audience doesn't really see unless they come, I don't know, two, three weeks in a row to mm-hmm. the same show. Mm-hmm. It's more the comics, like the comics would approach you and I've had this, you know, after the show and they would be like, uh, you did a joke about a red shirt, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, What what about it? And they're like, well, you know, in my set, I have a joke about the red shirt. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, like you don't yeah. own exclusive rights to wearing red shirts or joking about them, as a matter of fact. But it does seem to them, and I yeah. can agree to this to an extent, that, you know, oh, I've had that premise and you've heard that premise and you said, ooh, red shirt, there's funny, there's something funny there. Yeah. I'll do my own joke about the same thing. I can thing. do my own variation or yeah. I can... But not even it's not even a variation. I think it's a different. Like, okay, I can't remember. I don't know what the joke was, but I, I heard another comedian do a bit that was very. It wasn't even. I wouldn't say it was similar to my bit, but it, it was along the same idea. I can't remember whether it was something. I honestly don't remember what it was. But okay, let's say it was something to do with threesomes. Okay, like this concept of how threesomes. Let, suck. Let's say yeah. Oh wait, it might have been something like that. What suck? Uh, so 
The point is, uh, well, potentially. Anyway, it's it's a fantasy bit. So let's just say it's that. Wait, wait your fantasies, that threesome <laughs> suck. What a fantasy. <laughs> okay, carry what on. I'm going to say I'm a masochist. Uh, I, I fail it. <laughs> I, I get pleasure from failure. Um, no, but the point is- That would explain your career. <laughs> so the point is that I was, let's say I do that. And then like, you know, a comedian later on does a bit. Now, what I got afraid, I was like, oh, I remember I mentioned it to the comedian. Like, I've got a very similar bit. And I kind of explained, oh, this was my bit, da, 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 da. And that was it. And you could see them kind of going, uh-huh. Like, oh, right. But I almost felt like, but I didn't want to say it, but I almost felt like saying, I'm not saying that you don't do it. I like your bit. I'm just letting you know that if you ever hear me do my bit, I'm not copying from you. I did it three years ago. So like, calm the fuck down if you ever hear me do it. Because that's the part that I'm also worried because that's, this is why I gave that time period thing. Because sometimes, like I did it three years ago, but I haven't done it in ages. Then he does that bit. And then I do it like a couple of weeks later. I use it in the comedy competition because I think, oh, all right, I'm going to bring this back because it's a good bit. No, maybe I've tweaked it since then. And then he's going to listen to it going, motherfucker stole my bit and I have to go no 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 just ask the other people around here this is based on an old bit that I did three but maybe when he did it it maybe clicked something in my brain like oh I could do this differently it's not copying his way of doing it but maybe his way of doing it made me click on a different way of doing my joke that I'm like oh that would make it so much better well I think in those kind of well first of all I don't think I've ever I've heard people use jokes similar to mine and mm. similar you know even and I think it's everyone's quite, got a potato joke man yeah and I, I think it's quite, you know, you can almost kind of pinpoint where is that line between I've used a common kind of premise or whatever, mm. and I've heard a joke that someone else did, and I've taken that same jokes and, and, and re reworked it. Because mm. imagine in your case, right? If someone goes, oh, hey, I've, I've been on an, on an airplane, mm. and uh, I've had some peanuts, and they were bad. And you have a joke that you've been on an airplane and you had a cordon bleu and it was bad, right? right? Would you say like this person stole your joke? I don't think so, right? No. But if a person comes on stage, person that has seen you perform, uh, comes on stage and says, so when I was younger, I was in a bar and I met a gay guy called Mitchard, right? <laughs> and would you be like, hmm, wait a minute. Yeah. That's, I, I know this premise, right? That's, that's my story. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that from that point or I don't know, from the... I don't know, second or third tag or, or whatever point after that, they go into a different direction than your joke does. You would still be like, wait a minute, but that's, you know, it took my... What, I, what, what bugs me is I actually don't have a problem with it because, okay, maybe the beginning, let's say, it goes in the sense of he basically goes, right, I went out, uh, I just broken up with someone, which is the premise that I use, you know, I just broken up, I was in a shitty place, just wanted to go out, prove yeah, to Australia. the world, having a good time, yeah. They don't know how to go have a good time. And then this guy called Richard sits next to me and it starts, and I pick up on the fact that I, you know, that he's A, he's gay and B, he's, you know, very, seems like he's really trying to pick me up and me flandering with now, if that person. Now, obviously from there, I go on the whole, I, you know, I go to the penguins, penguins yeah. and then I do on the whole him flipping it around. But let's say someone obviously doesn't go with the penguins, but they go on a totally different tangent of like, oh, where does this, I also have the bit, like the long bit about, you know, where does this relationship end up? Like, because my imagination goes nuts on me. Someone might go on a different idea or a different angle of Richard maybe literally, literally hitting on him and him trying to rebut this guy as nice as possible while making it clear that he's not interested, but this Richard is not taking the hint, which is completely different to my story, although it sounds similarish, but it's actually different. And the punchline at the end being that he might go, ah, fuck it, why not? You know, sort of thing. Or Richard finally, you know, gives up. I don't know. But it's a different ending. At that point, Mitchard, sorry. I keep saying Mitchard. Mitchard. Um, at that point, yeah, maybe the beginning is a little bit too similar. It depends. If the person had heard my bit, then yeah, I'd be like, dude, get your own setup. Yeah. The setup is the is literally mine, but like get your own version or at least change enough details so it sounds original. But at the same time, I don't know, because if, for example, what if it turns out this person really did? meet someone at a bar like that. Like we both had a very similar experience. The setup is based on a reality that he went through that even his friends from three years ago can go, yeah, no, no, we were there that night. That was really fucking funny and weird. Then can you take that away and say, well, sorry, I said that premise first. I said it first, so it's mine. Well, yeah, that's why I never like to kind of claim a joke because like, I don't know, maybe like all my, as we established a few times in our previous episodes, 
most of my jokes are but that's also the thing most of my jokes never happened they only happened in my mind so if something that only like something that i imagined happened to you i'm like wait a minute that's that's not even real like i imagined that and then now you're telling me that now you're telling me it's actually your actual experience well you know sometimes they say fact is stranger than fiction you know maybe it was real like Life imitates art, art imitates life. Who knows which way it goes? And comedians imitate my imagination. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I would. But I think sometimes it's also you're if you're exposed to too much stand-up mm. and comedy in general, you will see. I'm afraid of this. You will see. Well, I know what you're afraid of. You're afraid of accidentally copying yeah. someone's material because it stays somewhere on your like back memory, yeah, yeah subconscious. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is also a valid fear yeah. for a comedian. But not even this. I think if you're exposed to too much stand-up in particular, but also comedy in general, because you hear those kind of situational jokes in yeah. like sitcoms and stuff like this, right? You're also at a risk of seeing some kind of... Uh, Formula? No, no, no. You're at, at a risk of, of seeing plagiarism everywhere, mm. right? Because yeah. we, we had this comedian here that like watched, I don't know, three stand-up specials a week, sometimes a day when it was pandemic and stuff. Yeah. And after that, we went back into the clubs and started performing. And almost after every comedian, he was like, oh, that's a joke from that guy from Netflix. That's, that's a joke from that guy from YouTube. That's a joke. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I've never heard of, like, you know, maybe, maybe it's possible that a random comedian from YouTube and me during pandemic came up with a very similar joke about, mm-hmm. I don't know, ordering pizza in a pandemic. Yeah. Have we not considered that option? You know, like, it's just when you're too exposed, of course, people around the world, especially comedians, because comedians see and understand things different than, quote unquote, normal people, so that we would see them in the same twisted way. Let's call them what they really are, the little people. Us higher beings see things differently than the civilians, than than the mundanes, the the muggles, the the muggles. The the, the simpletons. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) But no, I, I see exactly what you mean, and this is and this is my next thing that I come to because when it comes to originality and intellectual property and things like that, okay, so let's let's take someone who, for example, is a, a talk show like you know your uh, Stephen Colbert's, your Trevor Noah's, your all these guys, right? Who do some sort of oh no, so I'm thinking more like uh, what's his name, Jimmy Kimmel, um, Jimmy whatever the other one is, uh, Fallon, Fallon, uh, and Steve Colbert and all these like you know they have writers, they have a staff of writers. Because they're doing that topical humor. And the idea is a lot of their jokes, like when I've thought of jokes, I've got, oh, this is brilliant. And then I've seen Stephen Colbert, because I've watched him for a bit, especially uh, during pandemic and a bit afterwards. I watched him every episode and I was like, fuck, that, that, I had a bit like that. There's even a bit where I, I, I thought of a bit. I was telling my wife about it. She was laughing. Like we were both like riffing on it. We we're both having fun in the living room, just, you know, kind of goofing around with this idea and concept. We we're playing with it. And then literally like two days afterwards, I see Stephen Colbert do a very similar bit about mobile phones. And I'm like, shit, that was going to be a whole new, like, I think I could have done like two, three minutes on this. It was just awesome. It was funny, very physical, just my up my alley. And then he did it and he even did it with some of the physicality. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. That was my bit. Like, come on. And I said, you don't need this, man. I need it, man. I yeah. need it. This is and my strongest is- bit. And this is your random Tuesday, like, little joke before the commercial break. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, they've got a team of writers. And they even acknowledge it. Like, you know, like, Colbert is actually really good in the sense of he constantly acknowledges his writers. Oh, the writers are a great team, you know, blah, blah. And sometimes they even make fun of them. Like, you know, when a joke dies, he's like, well, some, whoever wrote that one is getting fired. Like, that, that joke was obviously a stinker. And then he's like, oh, no, wait, I think it was one of mine. Shit. <laughs> like, whatever. But this is the the point is professional writers. Now, to get on intellectual property, do you think it's okay that comedians use writers not in a stand-up? Because in the stand-up thing, like no, sorry, not stand-up, in uh yeah, on a talk show, you have to create bits every single night. So expecting one person to come up with original, good, tight material every night that's topical, very difficult. But, tell me about it. <laughs> but stand-up, touring, stages. Some comedians use writers. Well, I would say it's, first of all, if you, you know, you have to understand that, you know, not every musician is a singer-songwriter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not like you would have super successful. Tom Jones never wrote one of his songs. But a great singer. Neither has, I want to say, Rihanna. Maybe she has. I don't know. Beyonce. Lady Gaga probably has. Yeah, I think I think you're really treading some 
All right. Some dangerous waters here of defamation. Adele, Adele has way. never written a song. Oh, you're <laughs> fucked. Taylor Swift. Have you have you heard Adele? She's the kind of person that sings beautifully, and all of a sudden she turns and goes, "I'm got a fucking knife, you mate." <laughs> You're like, "Oh shit!" Are you, are you saying I'm I'm getting stabbed by Adele? That's, yeah, that's probably much. that. That would I'm, be my claim to fame. Pretty I, much. I, yeah, I think she's I, gonna give you a Chelsea grin, mate. Yeah, I, I told some like random shit on a podcast and got stabbed by Adele. What a what a way to end up on Netflix or something. That would be a story. And I'm fully backing Adele too. Like if we go to court, it'd be like he talks shit about me. I'd be like, "Yes, yes, he totally did. He did it in front of me with your girl." Love you, Dale. I mean, we're talking about a woman that set fire to the rain, so I don't know what. what I mean, is. what is she not capable yeah, of? That's exactly. all I'm saying. You know, Stab, stabbing a comedian is just a Tuesday morning for her. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she's barely opened her eyes. Already stabbed a comedian. Yeah, Will Smith there helping her, giving her directions <laughs> with his hand signals. <laughs> anyway, so I would say that you know you have to because people often actually would ask, "That was a very good joke. Did you write it?" You know, like, <laughs> yeah. especially people unfamiliar yeah. with what stand-up is. Yeah. I think the basic format and concept of stand-up is write your joke, perform your joke. It's yeah. just you on stage. And you're the director. You're yeah. the editor. You're the one who decides everything about this from beginning to end, final product. You're one who decides. But once you start getting bigger and more international, I think a lot of comedians, even for the Edinburgh show, people will hire directors to help them out. Some people start hiring writers or editors and managers to order to sit them down, watch the shows, and give them feedback. Because sometimes you're too close to your own material. They're your babies. And these people can say, you know that joke that you really get excited, puts a twinkle in your eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shit. Ditch well, it. That's, that's, I think that's uh, basically the, you know, I think fair play. Because mm. different, you know, different things work on a different level. If I'm doing mm. my 10 minutes at a small club for 60, 70 people that are drunk on a Friday night, I would like that set to be mine and I would like them to laugh and appreciate it for my sense of humor and my performance. On the other hand, if we're talking about like TV and you you get like a paid spot on a Jimmy Fallon show to do your 15, mm. obviously that's going to get filtered, edited, uh, produced, directed by a bunch of staff, especially yeah, stuff still, like that. Yeah, you'd expect know. to be all original. I mean, even for Jim Fallon, because the whole thing is they're showcasing you and your talent, your ability of these jokes. Well, sometimes it is. I've seen comics on there that I've been following for, I don't know, three, four, five years, yeah. and they come on there and they do exactly their 10 minutes they would do, you yeah. know, in a club. It's their club 10, like a tight set, yeah. but it is the as they 10. as they wrote it. I mean, it's 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 evolved since then, yeah. but it's their joke. But I know, for example, uh, that here, and we're I was talking about this to one of the founders of English comedy here, here as well, like some months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, he's preparing his 15-minute set for TV. Yeah. For like a very big show that's mm. like a showcase, stand-up showcase show that airs, I don't know, Friday evening at like mm -hmm. primetime spot on the national television channel. Mm. And he's been preparing these 15 minutes for about six months now. Oh. And few times a month, few times a week, sorry, they have this like uh, rehearsal shows where people pay some small money yeah. to see big names from TV yeah. doing that set that they, yeah. that they will end up on TV eventually. But after each shows, uh, well, what do they call? Because now Ricky Gervais has started doing it before he does his big runs. Like yeah, he didn't but, used to, but, but now he does. Yeah, but he's doing that himself time. because yeah. he wants to like get people to see that show. He wants to practice that show until he puts it on Netflix where people can see it, yeah. not for free, but for the subscription they're already paying. Yeah. So he wants to earn the touring money and then sell yeah. it to Netflix and stuff. Plus he'll get that much better and more practice in doing that no, show. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, this is the pre-tree pre -tree tour where he does like, Oh, well, that too, like preview know, shows, whatever. screenings yeah. or preview shows so and stuff. So he, he'll do about like 10 of them. Yeah. They won't be part of the tour. That's pre-tour. Okay, fair. And yeah. then he, and then that's where he works and he will change things. Because sometimes, you know, all of a sudden you realize, oh crap, the first half of the show should be towards the end or you completely rework stuff. Other things you're just tweaking until finally you get to that end show where then from the first, rather than doing it on tour and fixing up your material along the way, you already go there with the preset. I, I guess another analogy would be, do you go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival with with like uh the idea of a show like an actual show that you've just written yourself and then for the first time you perform in edinburgh and you tweak it by performing it every single day bit by bit shaping honing reorganizing rewording switching flipping trying a slightly different punchline trying two different punchlines do you like work it so at the end of the edinburgh show you have this beautiful golden shiny 50 minutes or whatever or 40 minutes of material if you want you can then take on tour or do you 
practice it a shitload beforehand, uh, tour it around from different places, tweaking and polishing so that when you go to Edinburgh, it's already the polish set that you show at Edinburgh. Well, there are many preview festivals and, and, and stuff, especially uh kind of leading up to to fringe so let's say june july mm. in a bunch of cities around uk and stuff they would have mm. like pre-fringe festival previews and stuff like this that would that's exactly the purpose of that to get yeah. your to get your uh show at least like to memorize your show at least but it's uh, interesting because it's a fringe festival which is like you know the fringes of the art you know a bit more avant-garde a bit more things and then people are going there with polished sets but that's that's your kind of you know it's up to you to, yeah. to edit, to uh, direct, to change, to, you know, reconfigure that set. Yeah. But I'm talking about, like, cases where it's not you. And this case of this comic that was preparing his 15 minutes for TV, yeah. after each performance, the producers would come to him and say, listen, this introduction, delete it. Cross it, cross it out. It doesn't yeah. work. Don't do uh -huh. it. Uh, second bit, that's good. You need two more tags in there. This is yeah. not a, a minute joke. This is a 30-second joke, and it needs two more tags. People need to laugh two more times. Third bit, doesn't work. M move it to the end. Uh, fourth bit, if you put a callback from the second one, that can work. So do that. Yeah. Uh, and the other two are fine. We'll see like how they work next time. Yeah, because so once you time, reconfigure, those two bits might become stronger or weaker or say the same. You so the know. next time they do it, he yeah. does it like they told him. Then they come back to him again and say, um, well, you did what we told you, but not how we told you. You need to put an emphasis here. By the end, that 15 minutes is still... Let's say his jokes, mm -hmm. but it's completely produced. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not. It's not organic. Polished. It's and yeah. for for these kind of shows and programs, I know definitely they do it here. Yeah. They produce it to such an extent, and they even tell you because it's mostly aired on like national TV at a primetime spot. You definitely like not only you can't swear, which is obvious, yeah. but you can't use like innuendos mm. and this kind of stuff. You can't you know like mention some things like religion or whatever politics, obviously, etc. Yeah. etc. Et so they would like you know uh, redo this set with you as many times as needed. So you would then like once sell that set yeah. to TV. Uh, and but but that by that point it's already their set. You know what yeah. I mean? They kind of own that set because they've made yeah. that particular set. Yeah. And you sell that performance for I would say good money for 15 minutes on TV, but not good money for six months of getting to that 15 minutes yeah. because it's basically six months of work, not 15 minutes of work. But then the other thing you're also paying for, or you're getting paid for as well, is yeah, it's not enough, but the other payment that you're receiving is recognition, some would say. Well, exposure. You're exposure getting, you're getting... because after that, if if you're ready for it, you should also, I mean, he should also be working on another bunch of sets that he can do. So the moment he's on TV, he can already start advertising himself for like a tour or a mini tour that he can bank on. And, you know, once he's get the fame for that, it'd be like, you know, here he is, the guy that you saw on TV last week performing brand new material. You're like, fuck yeah. Well, yeah, it's credits. Uh, you can be like, oh, I was on that program and yeah. I was on that show, you know, come but and see me. But also kind of use the momentum to strike the line hard, but that's, that's in a way up to you whether you get paid that way or not. But anyways, I, I, think, I think in that case, you know, they've basically re rewritten and re like assembled and, and yeah. you know, uh, dissected and, and rearranged that set anyway. So it's not, would you say so, it's still his intellectual property or not anymore? Well, I, w I would say it's not because yeah. especially because, you know, you get paid for that exact set and it's kind of, you know, they buy that set from you, I would say. Doesn't mean you can't do that set again on, on some club. But maybe you even can't. I'm not sure how it works with contracts. I think it depends those, on the contract. With those yeah. guys, because there are some like terms of that contract. That I'm are quite sure specific. it would be along lines. You probably couldn't perform that set for like two years. Maybe some Five yeah, years, clause like there is like a and time then it's clause. Like, after that, it's like then you can use it. But if we talk about you know people writing your jokes, yeah. I think it's fine like to pay for a ghostwriter. Okay. For example, I'm doing a one-hour show. I have 40 minutes of material, and I pay a ghostwriter to help me get that to fill in that other time and to make punch up my yeah. material and stuff like this. And there are many professional like stand-up writers that actually, yeah. you know, do it and help a lot of acts. And there was this funny scene in uh, uh, Mrs. Maisel mm -hmm. where she pays like a professional writer, but then he just sells the same jokes to a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. Like the same, at least formula of a joke and stuff yeah. like this. But I, it doesn't even have to be buying and selling. I mean, like there is a joke that I use that's quite, I use it quite often. And it's a joke that, I came up with a friend of mine, a comedian, when we were on tour, right? So we were in Berlin yeah. and we started like talking about, oh, it would be funny if we did this and that. And it turned into a joke. Yeah. But I think actually he was the one to suggest it. 
-hmm. And that was the last time, that was like maybe October. And you haven't spoken to him since. And I haven't spoken to him. He's dead. And, uh, <laughs> dead to me. He's dead. No, I mean, I took that joke and murdered him yeah. violently. But no, like that was, we did this tour in October. Uh -huh. And after that, he moved away and kind of stopped doing comedy. So you so, were like, yes, it's right for the plucking. Well, ex not, I mean, I was like, that's a really good joke. And it's a shame that, you know, to use it just once. <laughs> and since we kind of came up with it together, yeah. I mean, we were kind of bantering and it, yeah, yeah. It, Back and forth. it built up to a joke, mm. you know? And I was like, do you mind if I keep using that joke? And he was like, no, you know, it's... No, don't touch it, you motherfucker. It's mine. No, you piece of shit. Yeah. So... So How no, dare you. I'm like, not even cold in the grave yet. And you're already like, I'm going to rip off all your bits and start making my own special. Hmm. <laughs> all your, all his bits, you say. No, so that's, and he was like, yeah, use it. I mean, first of all, it's 50% your joke anyways. Yeah. But second of all, you can use it and get it left and I will never use it. And you were there, you were in that situation. It's yeah. not like you took someone else's, like the Richard story that happened Oh, to that's else. another interesting. So, so almost if you both have the same experience, yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, and we came up with it together, but that's not the same another as- reason why threesomes You know, he, <laughs> fair. But he also has a bunch of like really good bits that are killer jokes. Yeah. And since so he stopped doing comedy, well, kind of stopped, doesn't do it anymore, like regularly and stuff, semi-professionally. So I could just take any of his other bits yeah. and I would be like, can I do this joke? I'm sure he would say, yeah, do this joke. But I wouldn't ever, it's like a cover. I don't want to do cover yeah. of stand-up. I don't want to yeah, do and that's the his other whole thing. bits. And that's the other thing when it comes to intellectual property, it's really weird. Like in, in a band, if you're a cover band, you can be a cover band, literally like a band that looks, dresses like the Beatles plays only Beatles songs, and that's totally fine. Beatles were not going to sue you. But They're when, I, but when you. I dress up as Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some racial tension. People uh, get angry. Yeah, I don't know why, <laughs> especially in America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's the other interesting thing, has, uh, as you know, some comedians have pointed out. Uh, one, it's very difficult for us to repeat jokes, old jokes, unless you like Jerry Seinfeld or whatever, but like it's very difficult to repeat old jokes on stage that have already been recorded for a spoke. You can't like, just hold it at mic and go, well, you know how this one goes and get the other people to just tell it to you. Not like a musician. And yeah, you can't be in a cover band or you can't do covers because if you do, I mean, there is one bit, for example, that I do cover and I've used. It's not my bit, but I've used it on stage. But I, I always make the express point of mentioning beforehand that it belongs to a different comedian, a group of comedians. Who are now retired, but I'm like, okay, this is from them. This is what they used to do on stage. I'm gonna try it out here. Uh, so just remember that if it sucks, it's not my material. And then you know, I ask them. Oh, by the way, has any of you ever heard of them? And I mentioned their names a thousand. Now I keep mentioning Doug Anthony All Stars, Doug Anthony All Stars, Doug Anthony All Stars from Australia, Doug Anthony All Stars. And then I'm like, has anyone heard of them? And when they finally, of course, everyone goes no because they're from the freaking '90s in Australia. And they go, I go, oh. Ignore what I've just said. This is an original part of mine. Uh, great bit, great bit. And, I, and then I go, oh, I'm just kidding. It is Doug Anthony Allstars. And well, I think, yeah. If I you, make if a you... real poignant point of basically saying, this is not my material. I am using someone else's material. And I love it. I love it. I just love performing it. It's so funny and dark and great humor. Well, I think if you give credit to the original author and performer, that's yeah. a part of it. But I think if you give credit, it's still not enough. Like if I do, uh, okay, and here's so one. What are you saying? Ten bucks every time I perform, I should just send. Yes. No. I'm, what, 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 I'm say, what I'm saying is like, what if I no, do. What was his name? Anyway. So if I say, well, guys, the next joke is uh, not by me. It's Paul by. Paul McDermott. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so if I say, okay, guys, so the next joke I'm doing uh, is actually not my joke. It's uh, a joke by Mark Normand. So here is Kirill to perform. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, oh. <laughs> so if I if I'm doing like so the next joke is not my joke. It's by actually like a famous, uh, successful, uh, accomplished comedian Mark Norman, and it goes like this. And I tell the joke. I still and think it goes a little something like this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it's still not okay yeah. because I'm still gonna get laughs and people are still gonna pay to see someone else's joke. I think yeah. only if it goes like this. So I've only ever done that thing about the with the Doug and also as a host. And I use it as the gauge on how, like, you know, where the level of the audience is, which is kind of what Doug Anthony Allstars did with it as well. No excuse. I've never David, done with, it. No, yeah. I've never done it as a, this is my set. I've done it as a. You're a thief and we know it. We have it on fine, record now. Fine. It's good. This is I going online. It. I admit it. I'm, I'm turning. Paul McDermott, come get your cash. I'm, I'm, I'm turning this confession into an NFT. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I think only if you say, so Dave Chappelle or I don't know, Louis C.K. or whatever, yeah. Seinfeld has this joke. You tell the joke, and that joke is actually a setup for your joke. 
But I was thinking that could never happen because, and then you do your joke. If it's just like a background, a setup, but if you do the joke and you do the punchlines and you get the laughs, then then you're just doing someone else's joke. No matter that, like you've mentioned and credited them, you're just doing someone else's joke anyways. Uh, I think that's like the main part of your set as well. Yeah, I know. If you're getting like valuable laughs. But I think technically, I mean, unless you're getting, even if you're getting paid, I, I think like, you know, one of these open mic things that we do, like if someone did that, I I wouldn't say actually I don't I don't have a problem with that as such. I'd be like, no, they're not stealing. They they're literally not stealing. They're not saying it's theirs. They've literally announced it. I just think that it's just not worth it because it's like okay, imagine you we a new guy starts, right? And he literally comes up and he goes, Oh, this is a set done by Chris Rock. I really love Chris Rock and I want to do his set because I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think you should hear it in case you haven't. And then he does it when he does Chris Rock's set and it kills. Like he does it really good. He does it really good. It and, slaps. Everyone, and everyone's like, Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and he, you know, everyone claps, two hands. That, that's the difference. One hand, two hands. So everyone claps and, you know, great. That's a good set. But everyone will still go, Okay, that's a good set. But that's, a, that's Chris Rock's set. Yeah. It's- and then he next week he comes in, he goes, Oh, this is a bit by Louis C.K. I really love his thing. Technically, they're not doing anything wrong. Even if we gave him like a thousand rules because of the performance, you know, because that's what he gets paid or whatever. He gets paid. He does the show. But I mean, at the same time, I think the problem would be, it wouldn't be. I think even if he doesn't get paid, it's not the, it's just besides the point. It's not. No, but not I think the, at the point, all he's doing is just hurting himself. Because at the end of the day, it's like everyone will basically just recognize you're the guy who's really good at telling other people's bits. You do well, a great Louis C.K. You do a great Chris Rock. And you do a great Mark Norman or whatever, like you know. That's the point. I think it's stand like up, stand up is not just is just not about that. It's mm. just not about that because I remember early days, maybe to this day, I just kind of don't don't follow it anymore. Uh, of stand up in Croatia, like mm. ten years ago or even more, uh, when there were like kind of Facebook events and kind of open calls for open mics for yeah. people to come and start and try performing. Yeah. There was always in the very beginning, it said like prepare five minutes of original material. Uh, jokes like pub jokes, jokes you've heard in your group of friends, uh, jokes you've heard at school 10 years ago, jokes that are published in some like magazines and stuff. You know, sometimes they have like yeah. joke section and stuff, newspapers yeah, yeah. and stuff like this are not allowed because basically- Had to be mentioned. Yeah, because basically, you know, people see like, oh, it's my chance to come on stage and tell jokes. Yeah. That's not stand-up. Stand-up is not retelling jokes. Oh, well, it is your own. Well, yeah, but retelling that, that, your, that, own, joke your own jokes. But th- I think that's like so. If you just have your act, it's just retelling jokes of famous comics or whatever, yeah. pop jokes or something. That's not stand up. But You're at just, the same time, just telling jokes. But at the same time, I would never accuse them. I go, oh, they're a thief or they stole that joke. I'd be like, no, no, they're giving damn credit. They're just not doing any favors for themselves. They're not. They're not a stand up comedian. They're not a stand up comedian. They're just yeah. a. They're just retailer. Retailer. But joke on the other retailer. Hand, yeah, but on the other hand, like I was saying before, Tom Jones never wrote any of his material. We still call him a great singer because that's what he does. He sings. So this person's a good performer. Maybe if they're really great. No, he's a, I'll be like, he's a great performer, yeah, stage performer. He can be, I don't but know, not a stand-up something like a, a host, a toastmaster, yeah. a performer, a public speaker that can learn a bunch of anecdotes and jokes to tell, but he's not a stand-up comedian. Yeah. But right. So I think one final thing, and as we talked, this is how we started this topic. You mentioned NFTs and stuff yeah. where people are actually selling rights for their intellectual. But they're not selling rights. That's the weird okay, thing. People are they're not selling, selling rights. The copy. They sell, not, not even the copy. They're selling the original, but not the rights, not the fucking, I don't get it. They're selling. Why own, people? They're selling ownerships and usage of their art. And do you think that we could ever sell, like could stand up become NFT? Could you? I, yes. I think there is. That's just that's the that's the dumbest thing about it. There is no, there's no border. It's like anything can be a freaking NFT. I could sell the audio recording of me doing a fart, and that could be an NFT. Okay, it could be. Okay, it, technically it could be. What I'm saying is, do you think that there would be a market for this? That I cut out, I don't know, uh, some especially something that not the jokes, yeah, not yeah, the jokes absolutely. I retell no, because no. I've done I've done an hour oh, like uh, uh, what? I just realized something. You left the stove on. No, no. See, David is an old man. I, I repeat. <laughs> no, no, no. I just thought like I could. I've, I've got NFTs for sale. I just haven't put them up yet. But, but, but if but the problem is, it's based on whether I'm big enough. Like, if I could ever get my name out there as a comedian. No, you're not. Fuck. Then I don't have NFTs. Oh, I don't know what but, kind of price you're trying to put on no, no, it. If it's like twenty like, cents, you'll sell it. On this phone right now that I have, when I come up with joke, the way that I that I do is I quickly get an audio. Like I get the recorder out and I just like garble my little bits. Or if I have a bit, I'll saying, or I will express it or an idea or whatever. And I do that and have them all recorded. So I've got like, I don't know, like at this point, probably 
more than 50 files in there of just me like, you know, having ideas. I could sell those as NFTs. Well, I think that kind of stuff would fly if, I ever if, get you, big. Were, if you were big yeah. enough. I think what would fly was would be the recording of the first performance. Yeah. For example, if a Joe gets big, it gets on Netflix, it gets first on your time, YouTube. So it's still the a bit first, rough and raw. Yeah, because yeah. I just recently, I just saw a recording uh, that uh, a friend sent me of early days. Maybe I was, I don't know, performing for four or five months. Yeah. And there is a joke. I still do it to this day. It's my one of my strongest jokes in my set, I believe. It always God, gets so you laugh. really haven't improved People much. love it. But but the joke is it's it's I wouldn't say hundred it's like seven hundred percent different than then oh, okay. like it's 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 been through so many changes. So it's like the demo version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like you know this uh, unpublished like demo underground version yeah. of that joke, and I think that would fly as an NFT. I think stuff that, for example, I've done this hour of my show, like one hour show, yeah, even yeah. more than an hour recently, a and month this ago. Is, would you say this is your first big like hour show? Uh, I wouldn't say it's not my first, but it's my let's say biggest or most yeah. successful because i put together mm. my best of material and done it mm. for like a soul I, I don't know if it's nft material man. no that's not that's not what the nft material so the nft material is there is a bunch of jokes in there that are my i consider them my best of jokes mm -hmm. but i've done them a hundred times in a hundred different so this places is the polished version yeah but this is not what i would try to sell i would cut out the audience interaction and crowd work and stuff that happens only once it happened only on the that improv. show yeah so uh. i would maybe that would be an nft yeah. kind of potential because you have to buy to see it otherwise if you come to my other solo show but you don't you have to buy to see that's just it that's the weird thing about nfts they just buy okay, buy to own it buy, buy to, own, to it, own it but it's still there like for example for example i have a bunch of my recordings on youtube right i have some of my recording i haven't uploaded anything in a while but uh probably in about a couple of years but i have technically i don't know 15 20 videos up there of people download david's videos <laughs> from youtube before he starts selling them as NFTs. no but that's just it. it doesn't matter they can all go ahead download the hell out of them i don't care but i can still i start because they're mine i can then sell the nft of each of those recordings even though there are a thousand I, this is what audience please please dear listener explain to us why the fuck people are buying nfts what's the point because from what i understand I would still retain the copyright, the merchandising rights and everything to do those recordings. I don't have to take them off YouTube if I sell them to you as an NFT. No, you just can technically say that you own the NFT of that bit, but I still have it on my computer. I still upload it as much as I like and I can still use it for merchandising or for promotional reasons. So why the hell are you going to buy the NFT? Please buy my NFT. I would say one but thing. If there, is, if there is one call to action uh, after this episode, I don't think we should focus on you guys explaining to David what NFTs are and how they work. I think we should focus on getting, I don't know, 1 million views of, on those bits so he can actually sell those videos oh, yeah. as NFTs or this podcast or my crowd work, yeah. etc. So if there is one thing that we want you to do is to share this podcast yep. and uh, like us on all the social media and show it to your friends Twitter, and stuff. So Instagram, Facebook. And please respond. What the hell is an NFT? Disregard what Igor said. Explain it to me, people. Explain it on Twitter. Explain I'll, it on I'll Instagram. Explain it to, I'll, I'll explain this to him after the podcast, but you can also, you can like us, share us, donate, show yeah. it to your friends. Let us have more exposure. And once we get famous, we will sell NFTs off our jokes, bits, podcasts and stuff. Yeah. And this is our road to success. I, I see it now. I clearly yeah. see our road to success. It's selling this episode of, it's, it's, uh, it's selling uh, David's question on what is NFT as an NFT. That's the oh, ultimate twist. Brilliant. Yes. And yes. no idea how we're going to do it or why people would buy it, but let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Igor Monday. And I've been David Munoz. Goodbye. Ciao.